Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Pastor is away this morning preaching in another church, and it is an honor to uh, fill in for him. And uh, with that being said, how many of you have been enjoying the series in the book of Revelation? I think it has done uh, one thing in all of our hearts, and that is stirred us to get excited about the Lord coming back. And He is coming back. So would you take your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. And what I'm going to do this morning is sort of tiptoe around where he's at in this series and give you a peripheral um, thought or two about where we're at so he can just pick up right where he left off last time. I want you to notice in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, as the Apostle John writes, if you remember, he wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and now he is, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, finishing the book of Revelation here. And I want you to notice what he says here, or what he prays. This is actually the last prayer in the Bible. He says in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. That is the last prayer in the Bible. And uh, the title of this message this morning is How to Pray, Even So Come Lord Jesus, and Desire It More Than You Ever Have Before. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be here this morning. We're thankful for what you did at Snow Camp. We're thankful for the new families that joined this morning. We're thankful for our pastor and how you have used him in our lives. We pray that you would bless him this morning and use him this morning uh, where he is preaching. And Father, as we read this scripture verse here, we pray that you would build an anticipation and a longing in our hearts for you to come back. Lord, I pray if there be anyone in here this morning that does not know you as Savior, this morning your spirit would pierce their hearts and show them their need to be saved, and they might trust you as Savior. Stir all of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about 20 years ago. I was just uh, two years into my walk with the Lord, and I was on my lunch break, and I went out to my car, and I was eating my lunch, and I had a few minutes to kill, and I grabbed my Bible, and, and I read the last chapter in Revelation. And as I got to the end of this chapter here, and I, and I read how John prayed, even so, come Lord Jesus, it struck a question in my own heart. And the question was this, could I really pray that and mean that as much as John did? I mean, maybe maybe you've experienced this. It could be at the end of a service, someone prays or the pastor prays and says something like, Lord, we pray that you'd come back today. And there's just like maybe a little hesitation in your heart. You don't have to raise your hand, but I've been there. And And I was looking at this verse some 20 years ago And I I said, God, you know, I I can relate with a person that that has said, man, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. It's going to be great. I can't wait to get there. I just don't want to go today. 
It reminds me of the Sunday school teacher teaching the little boys and girls. And they said, class, how do we get to heaven? And the anticipated answer was Jesus. And one of the little boys raised his hand and said, uh, you have to die. And, th and that is true. That is true. Unless the rapture were to take place. But, but I had a little hesitation in my heart. And I said, God, how can I pray, God, I want you to come back today with no hesitation and want that and desire that more than anything else in the world. I mean, let's face it, the best thing for us is to be with the Lord. The greatest day of my life is going to be the day that I pass on into glory. And same with you if you're a believer in Christ. And the Apostle Paul told Timothy, we are to love his appearing. And just sometimes in life, we have this hesitation. And so I said 20 years ago, God, what is it that I can do? I mean, how can I have this, this zeal and this passion and this desire? No reservations. God, I want you to come back today more than anything else in the world. And God said to me, Matt, you've got to see what John saw to pray. Even so, come Lord Jesus, Jesus and mean it more than ever. And so when I saw what John saw, it was pivotal to my desire for the Lord to come back. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Three things that John saw, which will help you pray, even so come Lord Jesus and mean it more than you ever have before. Now, the first thing that John saw was he saw prophecy. He saw prophecy. He saw the future. And by the way, this book is an amazing book. Uh, God's, God's predictions, his prophecy, which is foretelling the future, he is 100% accurate every single time. God cannot lie. And this book is a supernatural book. We know for many different reasons, one of them is fulfilled prophecy. 100% accurate. Everything he predicts comes true. And what John saw was he saw the coming of a destroyed world. Uh, the world is in a spiral of decline, as we've been seeing as we go through uh, the book of Revelation. But before we continue with that thought and what John saw, I want to I tell you this, church. I believe with all my heart that before we approach the rapture and the, the tribulation time period, I believe with all my heart that God can bring revival in America. I believe that. Now I know, I can, I can already tell by the look on some of your faces. Oh no, we've gone way too far. It's not going to happen. The raptures, hey, listen, you remember, you remember what God did with Nineveh? With that resurrected preacher, Jonah? When he walked into Nineveh, he had an eight-word message that brought national revival and repentance. And Nineveh was not just backslidden. They never front-slid. Nineveh, Nineveh, was, was not just immoral or not right with God. Nineveh was satanic. And we don't have time to go into what the Ninevite culture was like, but an eight-word message even caused them to take their animals and put sackcloth on their animals and have their animals fast. When's the last time you repented like that <laughs> with your poodle or your cat and said, hey, man, we're going to get our hearts right with God? That was Nineveh. Who would have thought something like that? Hey, do you remember uh, what happened with uh, King Hezekiah? 
And the, the, the national revival that took place with the nation of Israel when they were backslidden. I'm just saying, God can bring revival to America. I believe that with all my heart. But for that to happen, we are going to have to get rid of this Laodicean mindset and this prosperity gospel. And God's going to have to shake us like never before to drive us to our knees and in repentance and faith and get to the point where we, where we realize that all we need is Jesus Christ. God can do that. Don't give up. Don't give up. But what John saw was prophecy, specifically a destroyed world. And yes, the world is spinning out of control, and the God of this world, lowercase g, is, uh, is going to usher in a culmination of judgments called Daniel's 70th week or what we commonly call the tribulation time period, a seven-year uh, period where God is going to pour out His wrath through the ministry of the Antichrist and, and seals and, and trumpets and vials. It's, there's going to be a satanic influence like never seen before in all of world history. We learned just a couple weeks ago that in Revelation chapter 17, there's going to be a, a mandatory uh, worship toward the Antichrist, a one world religion. And I want to tell you during that time period, it's going to be a little bit different than today. There's going to be no room for lukewarm faith in that tribulation time period. And by the way, the body of Christ, we're going to be taken out before that. <laughs> And uh, we don't have time to go into all that. But listen, if you take the mark of the beast during that time period, you are damned to hell. But if you have enough faith to endure until the end, you will be saved. And uh, there is going to be no room for lukewarm faith during that time period. It's going to be uh, um, uh, something that we have never seen before. Most of the world is going to die. We learned about uh, Revelation chapter 18 with Babylon. God is going to destroy the city of Babylon. And, um, and uh, there's going to be the, the battle of Armageddon when the Lord comes back at the end. And he's going to set up his earthly reign here on earth. And uh, John saw all this prophecy, worldwide disaster. Blood is going to be spilled like never before. And after seeing a destroyed world, you know, it made him realize. And he probably was thinking about what Jesus said when, when the Lord was showing him all this. And he said, yeah, I remember, Lord, when you said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. He probably just was realizing, you know what? This world is literally, literally uh, going to hell. And the only peace that will last, the only kind of peace that means anything, the most powerful peace only comes from the, the Prince of Peace. And Lord you might as well just come back now because you can't find that kind of peace in this world. So when God showed me what John saw, coming disaster, a destroyed world, you know what that did for me? That, that made me realize that procrastination is not an option. And I think sometimes the long game is wise but it made me realize I got to get aggressive with my short game. And I'm not just talking about my golf game, amen? Short game is where it's at. But in the spiritual life, it's also very important. You see, part of my hesitation with, with praying, Lord, come back today, was I had some investments. I had children, four kids. 
that, that I had been investing in. And I, I wanted to see my kids grow up someday. If the Lord came back, I wouldn't be able to see that. I had future goals in my ministry. I wanted to see what God could do through me. I had souls that I had been witnessing to, and I wanted to see them get saved. I had future dreams. But when I saw a destroyed world coming and coming soon, you know what that did? That got me aggressive with my short game. I realized today I got to pour myself into my kids, not tomorrow. Today I need to meet my future goals. Today I need to get aggressive with souls that aren't saved. Today I need to live the dream. You see, that's what, that's what this will do when you can see prophecy in a destroyed world, it'll get you focused. How many of you like to procrastinate? I am a procrastinator, big time. And uh, when we get a hold of what John saw, it's gonna light a fire under us. You know what people are doing today? I, I, I liken it to someone investing in a building that's been built on quicksand that's sinking, a sinking ship. Uh, back in Revelation chapter nine, we read about what comes out of the bottomless pit of this earth. Smoke is coming out and these satanic locusts or whatever they might be are coming out of the earth. John saw all this. We see that. Why would you want to invest in a building that had smoke coming out of it and, and bugs coming out of it and, and then that's sinking? That would not be very wise, but yet that's what people are doing today with this world. All their hopes and all their dreams are wrapped up into this world that is going to be destroyed someday that is literally sinking right now. You know, I'm not waiting for the day when I can just sit back and relax and enjoy all the things in this world. By God's grace, every single day is a day that we get closer to seeing the Lord and being with the Lord. And, and my prayer is, God, every day I want to get more aggressive in serving you. I want to learn to love you even more. I want to have more passion for the, the things of God and eternal things that are going to last forever because this world, it's going down. It's going down. Uh, it's like, you know, the Lord put caution tape up all around this world. He has condemned this building. And he says, beware, beware, beware. He said, the world is not my friend. And if you live for me, it will not be your friend either. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. John himself he wrote, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If for, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. I was watching something with uh, my grandkids the other night. And uh, I don't remember what it was. It was on Netflix or something. And it was, they were learning about uh, stranger danger. And... Uh, and when you hear a knock on the door, don't answer that door. You don't answer the door to strangers. And I'm, and I'm sitting there watching this with my grandkids. And I thought to myself, how sad, how sad that we have to teach our little kids, stay away from strangers. Don't answer that door. Can I tell you why? We live in a sin cursed world. And when we look at this world through a biblical lens, it won't appear bright and cheery. The reality is sin has ruined this world and influenced this world. 
And it's produced selfishness and dishonesty, dishonesty and fear and brutality and unfaithfulness and perversion and wars and racism and abuse and addiction and pride and fornication and hatred and murder and rape and molestation and theft. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm just telling you, this world is going down. And John saw this. And if you can see what John saw, that we're not supposed to invest in this world. We're not supposed to invest our heart and our, our spirit and everything, our souls in this world, because it's a destroyed world. You're going to just say, you know what, Lord? You might as well just come back today. Now, I'm not talking about the idea of not being a good steward with your your, your, your finances. I'm not saying you shouldn't invest. I'm just saying you shouldn't invest your heart in this world. I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards of this earth and take care of things that God's given us. I'm talking spiritually. You say, well, Matt, kind of sounds like Jesus is your crutch. No, he isn't. He's my wheelchair. He's my bed. He's my everything. He's the one that gave me something that this world could never give me. He's my everything, and he's the most important thing to me. And, 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 and when I get a hold of this, and when I got a hold of this, and I saw a coming destroyed world, boy, it helped me, and it will help you just say, you know what? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Number two, I'll tell you what John saw. <clears throat> he saw persecution. Persecution. Now, John is writing around 91 to 96 A.D., I believe. Domitian is the Roman emperor. He replaced Nero. You remember Nero was a crazy man. He burned down Rome and blamed the Christians. Domitian carries that on, and, and uh, he was a wild man as well. And um, you know why John <clears throat> saw persecution? Look back at Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> Bear with my voice. I'm a little under the weather today, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. I don't know why, but um, feeling feeling pretty good. Revelation chapter one, verse nine. This is why John saw persecution. He said uh, in verse nine of chapter one, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. It's in the Aegean Sea there. For, this is why, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, John got a hold of the word of God. He saw prophecy. And because he saw prophecy and he had the spirit of prophecy, he, he started telling people about the Lord and about the coming gloom and doom. And they, they didn't like that. By the way, <clears throat> quite often, the messenger is going to get persecuted because of the message. Jesus said in John chapter 15, listen, they hated me. They're going to hate you. And, uh, and uh, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. When we bring the light of the gospel to a dying world, it's like shining light in someone's face that's sleeping. They're not going to like that. They're not going to like that message, and they're probably not going to like you. Look over at Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. This is, this is the spirit 
or the testimony of Jesus. At the end of this verse, Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. How many of you want to have a testimony for Jesus? Amen. He says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you're going to be a shining witness for the Lord, you're going to, you're going to spread the gospel. You're going to have a spirit of prophecy. Listen, <clears throat> I know I'm saved. I walked into a gas station once. <clears throat> I walked up to pay for my gas, and the guy behind the counter said, what do you know for sure? And I said, well, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die. That was not the answer he was looking for. I mean, what is that? What do you know for sure? It's a great question. What do you know for sure? You ought to know a lot of things for sure. You ought to know where you're going when you die. You say, well, nobody could know that. That's what he said. Well, 1 John 5, 13 says you can know. Do you think Jesus would have gone through all of that on the cross so you would wonder about where you're going? Oh, no. He wants you to know what he did for you. He wants you to know that you can never get to heaven on your own. He wants you to know that he is the only way to heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you're going when you die, God made it so simple a child could understand it. You, can, you confess to God that you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, paid the penalty for your sins on a cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, proving that all your sins have been paid for. And if you put your trust in him and what he did for you, you will be forgiven and saved from a horrible place called hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, John got to preaching up a storm about, about, about what he saw, and he was persecuted. Aren't you glad here in America, typically speaking, when we speak out, spread the gospel, we're not thrown in jail, we're not beaten, we're not stoned to death. Isn't that a blessing? We've got so many wonderful opportunities here, but persecution um, can take on many different forms. Persecution is sometimes called the companion to godliness. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It might mean you lose a friend. It might mean people are going to mock you. Listen, I, I have had doors slammed in my face. I've been cussed at. I've been mocked. I've lost friends. That's nothing in comparison to all the people that I've been able to plant the seed of the word of God that's nothing in comparison to the people that I've seen saved. Man, I'm telling you, a little bit of persecution, it is worth it. It is worth it. Paul even said, man, and, and you think about what Paul went through. He said the glory that's going to be revealed in heaven, man, it can't compare to what we go through here on this earth. I think the martyrs that we read about in the book of Revelation, I, I just suspect that perhaps they wish they could come back after they got a glimpse of glory. I bet you they wish they could just come back and say, I would love to be able to offer my head again for my Jesus. He's worth it. He is worth it. When we got to the uh, foreign mission field, <clears throat> I tried to get out into public and meet people and talk to people, invite people to church. And probably within the first few months I was there on the, the, the foreign mission field, I was going through a, a mall, just kind of going from store to store, introducing myself. 
And I was talking to a, a, one of the owners of the stores and one of his friends came over and started talking with him and uh, he didn't like me. He said, what are you doing here? Are you a missionary? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he began to publicly humiliate me. And he started screaming and yelling at me saying, we don't need you here. Go back home. We have our gods. Get out of here in a public setting with people everywhere. Unfortunately, that, that kind of threw me a little bit. I mean, as you're preparing for the mission field, you're traveling the country for a few years and you're going into churches and the churches are patting you on the back saying, go get them, boy. Praise the Lord. Way to go. Well, when you get to the mission field, that's not how you're received. And I got, I remember getting in my car thinking, Lord, I didn't like that. And the Lord said, yeah, I didn't like it either when I came to this earth. He said, I know, I know how you feel. I said, yeah, but Lord, it's so backwards here. The culture is so different. It doesn't make any sense here on this earth. What's going on? He said, oh, I know. Oh, I know. I came in the flesh. I was God in the flesh and they killed me. We had another missionary couple come to help us. They were so excited. It was the first Saturday night we went out in the neighborhoods and the wife, she was so excited to get out there and spread the gospel. And her very first night out there on the mission field, someone spit in her face. And then there were gunshots just a few houses down. Someone got shot and she's like, whoa. And I'm telling you, the more we speak out, the more persecution we're gonna see. Say, well, what am I supposed to do? Die to yourself. If, you are a, if you're real cozy with this world, I'm going to tell you something. Your, your light is not going to shine as bright as it could. Our goal is not to get the world to like us and to appreciate us. Our goal is to be obedient. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we're not always going to be liked. I think every day that goes by, we ought to get a little bit more aggressive with getting the gospel out. And the more aggressive we get and the, the closer we approach to the, the rapture of the body of Christ, the more persecution we're going to see. And the more persecution that you see and I see, I'm telling you what it's going to do in your heart. It's going to put a longing in your heart to just say, oh God, even so, come Lord Jesus. John saw prophecy. He saw persecution. And lastly, he saw paradise. He saw paradise. If I ask some of you, <clears throat> what is your dream vacation? You could probably tell me if you haven't already taken it. My dream vacation is Tahiti. Please, after service, don't tell me you've been to Tahiti. I don't want to hear about it. I'll get very jealous. And uh, I used to, I haven't been there, but I used to just long for Tahiti. I mean, I'd, I'd read the brochures and I'd look, I'd, I'd just imagine myself pulling up with this big wall around the property and you walk in and someone has a little tropical drink there for you. You're looking at all the fruit trees and you get a little glimpse through the, the entryway there of that clear crystal water. And you got that long dock with, with your little house on the end of that dock. And it just seems like all your problems fade away and there is, there's always something to do. And uh, I just would look at those brochures and just long for that day. Someday, perhaps, I get to go there and experience that. Because I was looking at the brochure. 
I was thinking about it. I was longing for it. Can I ask you a question? Have you been looking at your brochure and your itinerary lately? It, it will blow your mind. It is out of this world. And the same principle applies to paradise. I'm telling you, John saw prophecy. He saw persecution. But oh, did he see some paradise. Paul saw it as well. Over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> remember Paul said uh, he is caught up to the third heaven paradise. And uh, when he came back, he said, I can't even, I can't even tell you the things that I heard there. And uh, Paul, he was in a strait between, between two things. I mean, he was, he was caught in the middle. He told the Philippians, I can't wait to get back. And if you track Paul's ministry, he was a little, I mean, I think he was trying to get himself stoned so he could go back there. And he says, but, but you know what? It's better for me to stay with you guys, so I'm just going to stay. But some of the things that he did didn't make sense. And I'll tell you why. He was trying to get back there. He's trying to get back there. And uh, what did John see when he saw paradise? Well, notice in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Uh, what he saw here was the obituary for the world written in advance. It's going to pass away. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, when, when this happens, it's going to be really loud. There's going to be a big bang. The world has it in backwards. <laughs> the big bang hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. At the end, Peter talked about this. And, uh, and he said, uh, Peter said, The heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, the earth also. This isn't just global warming here. This is global melting. John saw this, and he saw it was going to be a new heaven and a new earth. I like new things. I like new golf clubs. I like new golf balls. I like new shoes. I like new apartments. I like new houses. I like new because, because it lasts longer. When we see the new heaven and the new earth, can I tell you, it's not just going to last longer. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. And it's just going to seem like it's getting newer and newer and newer. John saw this. Not only did he see that, but, but he saw that we're going to be in our new resurrected bodies while we walk this new heaven and new earth. Imagine that, being in your new resurrected body. No more pacemakers. No more medicine cabinets. No more icy hot. No more ER rooms, no more chemotherapy, no more funeral homes, no more practicing doctors saying, stick your tongue out and say, ah, the only ah we're going to be saying is hallelujah and amen, amen. I mean, it's going to be wonderful. Look at verse two. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, now, now Paul taught us in Galatians chapter 4, this is, this is the mother of us all. It's our mothership. It's where we're going to make our abode. Uh, we can read that this thing is about 1,500 miles square. It's a cube. If you were to sit that down on America, it would take up two-thirds of America. If you wanted to see the top of it, you'd have to back up 10 miles just to see the top of it. It's New Jerusalem. I'm telling you what, this is where our mansions are going to be. And when you walk in your mansion, you're going to think this is exactly what, what I've always wanted. 
You'll never have to change the furniture. You'll never have to put a new, a new fresh coat of paint on anything. It is going to just be out of this world. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be the capital of the new creation. Oh, we're going to be moving on up, let me tell you. The Jeffersons got nothing on us. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. There's going to be no barrier between us and God. Forgiveness is one thing, but complete restoration where we see him face to face, that's a whole new level. Look at verse 4. And I, God, shall, shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death or sorrow or crying. There, sh there shouldn't be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I believe this is the heart of God right here. And this is a place that I will never want to leave. This is a place that you will never want to leave when you get there. And I, I think this expresses the heart of God, especially when sin came into the world. God, God has been longing for this point for, for some 6,000 years. I just want to have complete restoration with my creation and my people. When I read something like this, I, I think about, I think about, some of the beautiful, lovely, holy things we experience on this earth. And I think, I think God just sometimes gives us just a little taste of heaven. I think, about, I think about the love that my mom and dad have for me, that unconditional love and the sacrifices they've made over the years for me. I think that's a little taste of heaven. I think about my best friend, the love of my life, my wife, and the special times that we've had as we've been growing together, I think that's a little taste of heaven. I, I think about sitting around with, with friends and just enjoying each other's company and just laughing and being full of joy. I think about holding your, your child for the very first time or, or that grandchild for the very first time and you see God all over it. Well, listen, church, take all of these lovely experiences, these pure, holy experiences on this earth and multiply that by like, like a really big number. And I think that's going to be heaven. It is going to be heaven. Look at verse five. And, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right for these things, these words are true and faithful. Listen, church, it's true. It's going to happen. This is the real deal. And we're going to live there forever and ever and ever, never having a problem ever again. Pure, holy bliss in the very presence of Almighty God. But let me tell you why it's going to be heaven. It's going to be heaven because Jesus is going to be there. There wouldn't be light there if it weren't for Jesus. The curse wouldn't be taken away if it weren't for Jesus. Our mansions wouldn't be there if it weren't for Jesus. We wouldn't have a New Testament if it weren't for Jesus. We wouldn't know amazing grace if it weren't for Jesus. We wouldn't know God's unconditional love if it wasn't for Jesus. We wouldn't know the peace that passes all understanding if it wasn't for Jesus. We wouldn't know the power of God and the purpose of God if it wasn't for Jesus. Listen, it's going to be heaven because our Jesus is going to be there. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 12. Around this great city called New Jerusalem, there's going to be a wall. This wall was great. 
verse 12, and high, and had 12 gates, and the gates 12 angels, and the names were written thereon, which are the, the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Look at chapter 22, verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, I like to study heaven. I like to put myself in there because this is my home. And the Bible says I'm already seated there in Christ. And I just imagine myself walking out of my mansion, looking over at, at the tree of life. And, and I see perhaps people coming from, from the new earth, nations coming from that tree for healing. And I don't understand all that. But if there's fruit on it, I'm probably going to want to taste it. Amen. I'll say, Lord, I, I just want to I just want to walk on over there and, and maybe try some fruit there. And as I'm walking through uh, down this street of gold in this new city, Jerusalem, 1500 miles square. And it's going to be a wonderful reunion with 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 family members and friends in Christ. I'm going to look over at this wall and I'm going to see the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And again, I'm telling you, heaven is heaven because Jesus is, is there. And everything in heaven is going to remind us of Jesus because it's all about Jesus. He's to have the preeminence in the church. And I'm telling you, he's going to have the preeminence in heaven. And I'm going to look at that wall and I'm going to see some of those, those names there of the 12 tribes. And I'm, I'm going to see Naphtali, which means wrestling with God, conviction. And when I look over and I see Naphtali's name there, I'm going to be, I'm going to be re reminded of the day my wife came home from a Christian brunch and she heard a gospel presentation and she heard about how God is to be number one in your life. She comes home. We didn't know the Lord. And she says, Matt, I want to ask you a question. What's the top 10 most important things in your life? I got irritated with her. I said, well, my job and God was nowhere on that list. And I remember her saying, what about God? What about God? You see, our marriage was not doing so well at that time. And I'm telling you, a marriage will only go so far without Jesus Christ. And she knew something was missing. And I thought I had everything together. But she pointed out to me something was missing and it was God. Oh, man, did I start wrestling with God. I got upset with her. I got upset with myself and I started wrestling with God. And I started searching out, diligently searching out what, what, what my purpose was in life. And in God began to show me my sin and I was under heavy conviction. I'm going to remember that when I see Naphtali's name. And then I'm going to see Reuben's name there, which means, which means the Lord has seen me, me in my affliction. And I'm going to remember as I was wrestling with God, getting up on the roof of my house after work for hours and hours saying, God, do you see me? God, can you hear me? God, I need you. And when I see, when I see his name, Reuben's name, I'm going to remember that God did see me. And then I'm going to see Simeon's name. God heard. And I'm going to remember on October 21st, 1997, when I called upon the name of the Lord and I believed in my heart that Jesus died for me. I want to tell you, church, God heard me and he saved me. 
And I'm going to look over at Manasseh's name, which means no past. And I'm going to remind it that my sins are, are gone. They're gone as far as the east is from the west. And in God's eyes, I have no past. I'm perfect in Christ. And then I'm going to see Levi's name, which means attached forever. And I'm just going to be walking down that street of gold saying, praise the Lord. I'm never going to be separated from my God ever, ever, ever again. Oh, and then I'm going to come over to that tree of life. And I'm going to probably come over when it's October because that was when I got saved. And I'm going to say, Lord, could I just try October's fruit? And the Lord's probably going to say, go ahead. And I'm going to reach up there and grab some of October's fruit. And I'm going to take a bite. And it's probably going to taste bitter to me at first because I'm going to remember my bitter past without, without my Savior. And then my heavenly taste buds are going to be overwhelmed with a, with, a, with a sweetness. And I'm going to remember how sweet it was to taste and see that the Lord was good. And then I'm going to come over to that pure river of water and wash some of that juice off my hands and my feet. And I'm going to look down in that water, that clear water, and I'm going to see a reflection of myself in that water. And I'm going to look at myself in my new resurrected body. And I'm going to have a smile on my face. I'm going to be glowing with, 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 with the glory of God. And I'm going to see myself there and say, what am I doing here? How did I get here? This is beyond my wildest dreams. And I don't deserve to be here. And then I'm going to realize that that water is coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God. And my eyes are going to take me all the way up to that throne. And I'm going to see Jesus on that throne. And I'm going to run over and just fall down and worship him. And then I'm going to do it over again and again and again and again. I'm just saying heaven's going to be heaven because our Jesus is going to be there. And it's just going to be like, beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. Star Trek has nothing on us. Heaven, the final frontier. This is for you Trekkies. This is the voyage of our rapture. Its continuing mission is an extension of the Great Commission as we will explore a new world without end. We will seek out our new life in Christ and a new civilization. We will boldly go where our Savior is and forever be with our God. I want to close with this. We, uh, we were doing a summer camp with kids and we were, we were going into some of the, the rougher neighborhoods and bringing kids back on a Saturday and, and trying to lead them to the Lord. And, and our, theme was, our theme was heaven. We taught all about heaven and, and, uh, and uh, we did this for a month or two. And I remember dropping off one of, the, one of these boys at his apartment near downtown, downtown Toledo area. And uh, I'm taking him to his apartment, and I think it was his uncle or his dad, I'm not sure. But he said, Pastor Matt, I got to talk to you. And I thought, oh, no, what did I do now? And he comes over to me, he says, what are you teaching him? And my, my response was, well, well, we're, I was nervous. I said, well, we're teaching him the Bible. We're teaching him that we've all sinned, and, and God loves us, and Jesus died for our sins. And if you believe in him, you can have eternal life. He says, well, he keeps talking about he can't wait to die. He just can't wait to die. He wants to die. He's saying every day, I hope I die today. I hope I die today. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what is going on? And then I realized what was going on. You see, 
This little boy trusted Christ as a savior. And he was, he was looking at the brochure and we were teaching about his future home in heaven and, and, and the glory of heaven, what heaven was gonna be like. And I, and I had seen in his apartment what kind of life he, he was living and it was, it was horrific. And, and this little boy, he got a glimpse of paradise and he really believed it, church. He believed it, he believed it to the point where he was telling other people, I can't wait to die because I know where I'm going. You know what he was saying? He was, he was saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. I wonder about you. I wonder if you have any kind of hesitation in your life this morning about, I mean, the greatest thing that could ever happen is we could be with him today. The rapture could happen today. And God, I want, Lord, I, I want you to come back today more than anything else in the world. If you can't pray that, I would suggest three things. You get a hold of prophecy. You get some persecution in your life. And then you get a good look at paradise. And I bet you, you'll be able to pray that and mean it more than ever. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.